On Solid State, it's become something of a recurring theme that gadgets are so much bigger than just your smartphone or laptop. In past episodes, we've covered the tech around everything from headphones to vinyl records. And this week, we keep that theme up with the true and honest gadget tech around modern day cameras and broader photography. It's one to really take in if the genuine art behind the scene, pun as always very much intended, is one of interest to you. And even if not, I have to at least suggest listening very closely to the last 10 or 15 minutes. You might just hear the sound of Eric and I buying the same camera live on show with no pre-planning or worse yet, no permission. Why do I feel like we're starting a bit of a trend here? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. We are here this week to ask the question, what the thing about photography tech is? And beyond that just being one heck of a mouthful, um, <laughs> it's a topic that falls really in line if you if you enjoyed or listened to, hopefully you enjoyed, um, our high-quality audio episode. This is another one of those where... Eric talks a lot. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Those of you that uh, can't stand my voice, you're in for a good one for once. Um, but it's it's an area that is so very much technology. Again, just like we talked about with high quality audio, it's a it's it's gadgets at the end of the day. I mean, there's no there's no mistaking, especially today, camera tech or photography tech from gadgets as a whole. But a lot of folks especially from the outside looking in, don't see it that way. They see someone holding a camera that results in a picture or for a lot of folks, you know, actually for a whole lot of folks, all a camera means to them is the side button on their phone. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's so, so much beyond that and so much tech to talk on that topic that goes beyond even certainly beyond my expertise and my background. And, you know, Eric, obviously what, what a lot of folks listening would have no reason to know is it's not just a hobby of yours. It's very much part of your classical training. You're up, you're, you came up in that world in some yeah, real ways. I did. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I kind of, I backed into, you know, computers and technology through that. Um, I, I started out, with analog photography a long time ago. Um, and then, you know, much like the story about our first computer, you know, Hey dad, I want to take pictures. Okay. And takes me to a camera store and buys me the oldest camera there. Uh, Pentax K 1000 with a 50 millimeter lens on it, hands it to me and says, go take some pictures and figure it out. And I did, and it was great. And it, you know, helped further my education and all that stuff. And then went to college, um, for, I went to film school. Um, so I went there and studied, motion picture photography which is the similar i guess you know you got to do all the f-stops and the shutter speeds and all that kind of stuff but your film's moving all the time so it's a little <laughs> bit more complicated um you know and and did that but i also did you know my my major was film production my minor was computer animation so i got into computers through that and did you know all the computer animation stuff and you know lightwave and 3d studio max and all that kind of stuff so eric i feel like i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't pause this right here long enough to give you an opportunity to plug i joke about it but it's actually one of the most meaningful quotes you've ever told me and it was something one of your um i think it was towards the end of film school that what they what they told you about the investment you had just made yeah so yeah towards the end of film school we had it was like my film three professor i think sat us down and said you know great job guys. You know, you're in your senior year or whatever. Um, you know, just wanted to let you know, you probably would have done a better job and learned more if you just taken all the money you just spent on film school and just made a movie. And it was like, (laughs) wow, here we are in our senior year. And the guy's telling us we should have not spent the money on film school. They wait, 
Yeah. I can just only begin to imagine the the degree to which you could hear a pin drop in that sure. room. That's my yep. guess. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm guessing there were more than two or three people in that room. And when yeah, each of them just spent more, X number yeah. of dollars on there was maybe, uh, there was maybe eight or ten of us in there. It was a small class, but yeah, it was yeah, it, it was one of those things. But anyway, so I very much came up through as we've talked about in other episodes, I'm I'm a little bit older than the other guys on here. So when I first started in photography, there wasn't digital cameras readily available for the public. It just, it wasn't a thing. You, mm-hmm. you shot on 35 millimeter film, you know, using a mostly manual camera. You could go out and get, you know, automatic ca- cameras that did the, um, you know, metering and stuff for you. That was out there. Canon had some, Nikon had some of their higher end cameras that did a lot of that automatic metering. That's like second nature now in the digital right. cameras that like, they all just do it. That wasn't a thing back then. So like the camera I started on, you literally had, a needle in the camera like you'd look in there you'd have to set your iso which is the sensitivity of the film and then you'd have to set your shutter speed like do i want to stop this thing in motion or is it standing still you know you'd set that around you just had to know where you wanted to set it and then you would turn the dial for the f-stop the which is the size of you know the amount of light that gets let in to touch the film there's a little iris that opens and closes in the lens so you would turn that until the needle in your camera went to the middle and then you could take your picture (laughs) <laughs> and you had to do that as quick as possible so you didn't miss the miss picture you were, were trying, trying to take. The picture. Right. Yep, that, exactly. So something you just said really rang for me, which was, you know, you know, we only had 35 millimeter film that you were shooting. Sure. On. I mean, yeah. But no, but what I'm saying is what I think is so fascinating about that exact sentence is you're right from a technological perspective. But then when I think about what we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes, all of the technology and the countless research and effort and tech that goes into making cameras today, that what are they chasing after? attaining the look and the feel and the experience of that 35 millimeter of 35 film. millimeter film. I, I just I just think that's the 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 cat, the technological cat chasing the tail or dog yes. chasing the tail, I should say, is uh, fascinating to me. Well, yeah, that's that's one of the things like you hear, you'll hear people talk about, you know, this digital camera is great because it has a very filmic look to your right. results. Like people are wanting a film like quality to the pictures that they take. That's what they're instead going of after. a clinical look, you know, and again, this is all very subjective. It's in the eye of the user because most people now, even even then. When I was in college and shooting on 35 millimeter film, what did I do with that film? I I would get negatives of it. I would get some prints. And then most of the time I would scan those negatives or those prints into a computer and then mess with them in, in the early days of Photoshop. Photoshop. You'd <laughs> still mess around with those pictures and adjust the colors and all that stuff. And now you can do it in camera or, you know, you have the digital files and you use those raw files, which is one of the ways the cameras will shoot. And you develop your digital file using Lightroom. That's what they call it. They, they, you go into Lightroom and you choose develop and then you adjust your colors and your contrast and everything to develop kind of the same things you'd go through in a dark room. You use now go through on stuff, the computer, yeah. <laughs> use all the same terms. And it, like, you, like the point you made, John, you very much, they're chasing after the feel from beginning to end that you got when shooting film and developing your own film. Because I mean, again, going back to the, the Wayback Machine, that's how I got started when I was in high school and I got that camera from my dad. I went to, it was actually the IT guy at our <laughs> high school. He he ran, he had a photography club that he ran at school. Got and it. they had a they had a closet in the room that was converted to a full dark room. You could go in there, 
And if you had a camera and you went through his little training course or whatever, you were given a key to the dark room and you could go into the dark room and develop your film on your own. They had all the chemicals in there and all the, the, um, you know, photography paper and all that kind of stuff. They had it all in there. So you could go in the enlargers and everything. So I used to take pictures, do like portraits of my friends at school, black and white film, and then go into the dark room and blow them up and print them this, like, you know, I could develop the film, print them and everything in the same day. So like, instead of sending them off to a developing house, I could do it all right there. And it was so tedious. Like you had to (laughs) in the dark, in the pitch dark, you had to pop the top on those metals film canisters pull your film out and then you'd have to wind your film. That was like a little barrel that the sides would twist back and forth in opposite directions. So you'd feed your film in a little bit and then you'd twist, 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 twist. And it would wrap your film in a spiral inside that thing. Then you put it inside another case and you poured your developer in there and then you just let it sit and it would develop. And then you dump that out. You'd rinse, you'd pour in your stopper to stop it from developing and then it would stop. And then you could actually like turn on the light and take a look at your pictures that you had and, and all that. And it was like, it was such a stopper liquid. I didn't realize that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Because otherwise the liquids kind of stays on there and it'll just keep developing. Keep activating. Yep. And and it'll get brighter and brighter and brighter. So I can't, I can't help but ask. So we've talked Mm -hmm. about with a lot of other gadgets and just things we love in the past about sense memory. Sure. And a lot of what you're describing sounds like those, because they're gadgets. I just, yep. it, I've, I've long felt something doesn't have to be technologically advanced to be a gadget. Yep. I have tools that no electron has ever flowed through that I still think about that tool as a gadget. So when you describe yep. those tools that you were using, like I have to, like I'm putting myself in your shoes and that memory. And I have to imagine there's a lot of sense memory. Caught there up is in absolutely. That. There's, there's that like that, that device is one that's got a big sense memory. And then it's the smell. Like if sure. you've ever I been in a dark room, in a dark room for, yes. you know, that smell, you and know, you, it. you'll smell that you'll get whiffs of chemicals that smell like that. It'll and you instantly you are it. brought back to a dark room when you smell yep. it. So, so anyway, getting fast forwarding from like the good old right. days when I rode to school <laughs> on a horse in wooden underwear or whatever, um, <laughs> <Wooden> underwear. <laughs> you know, that's a so, sense memory. I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to hear about that. That's another episode. Uh, no. Um, so we would, um, you know, moving forward a little bit, you know, we, I still, even up to the point when I, when I got married, I got, I got married in the year 2000. At that point, there was one decent digital camera out or two decent digital cameras out for home users. And it, they were right. just so expensive. I remember we were looking for a camera to bring on our honeymoon to take pictures and stuff while we were there. We ended up buying a rebel 2000 from Canon or whatever. It was a 35 yep. millimeter film camera. But the digital cameras of the day were much, they were probably about double the price of what we paid for that film camera. And they were like three megapixels or something, like four megapixels, yeah. you know, like really, really low quality pictures, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so I'll throw this out there. So they say 30, a 35 millimeter piece of film is about the quality of a 12 to 14 megapixel um, camera. So if you have a 12 to 14 megapixel camera, that's about the quality. If you have a really good sharp lens and all that kind of stuff, you take a really good sharp picture. The resolution. As we're going to get get, into, megapixel is probably the most frequent term Joe Public hears us talk about when it comes to cameras, but it's. Mm very much not the only measure. And I don't want to take all the way down to that yet, but that's put a pin in that because there's a lot more to, as I've learned from you, there's so much more to it than just the megapixel count. Yeah, exactly. So 12 to 14 megapixels is about, you know, that. So when you go out and you go to buy a digital camera today, 
I don't think you can find a handheld digital camera on the market today with less than 14 less than. megapixels. I don't think right. I don't think they exist unless you're getting an older model, of course. I mean, right. no, something models. in production yeah. today, because, no. again, going back to supply, you know, the, the actual how the supply lines work. Why would they waste manufacturing space on something that's been been yeah. out at this point? Exactly. So, you know, that that's what your you know, the quality gauge is. So if you're looking for that, you know. 35 millimeter quality and you want to blow it up as big as you could a 35 millimeter piece yep. of film 12 to 14 megapixels is about where it's at for, for that level so you know there's so many cameras on the market today is the thing so if somebody's out there looking for their first camera the camera that they're going to go and pick up and learn photography on like i did back in the day there isn't really there's no fully manual thing anymore you can right. you know there are cameras that kind of lean that way uh fuji uh, makes cameras and that some of their cameras are more like they have all of the manual dials on them still. Right. So you can uh, set them all to a, and it'll be fully automatic, or you can set two of them to a and only adjust one of the dials and it'll do the other two automatically. So you have your choice and it's all physical. It's so done kind of physically get, with you, the buttons. You can get as deep into the weeds as you right. want yeah. to, exactly. but not be like, if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm never going to be able to use this camera. Right. Like you can wade into the deep end. Yep, exactly. You can, you can, you can, those, those are great cameras to learn on. In fact, when I was relearning still photography, I went with Fuji, you know, it was one that I went yep. with because I wanted that kind of experience of having the dials and things to turn. I yep. wanted to be able to turn that F-stop ring to adjust the amount of light coming into my camera. And you can look on the top and, and, and see your exposure adjustments change. The other two change as you adjust the one if you've got the other two set to automatic. And so you, you kind of can learn that way by doing. And, and it's yeah. a great way to do it. A lot of the other cameras are more, um, not that you can't use them manually. There's settings for that. You set it to M on the top and it's fully manual and you can adjust all of your settings manually. Um, but a lot of them have different shooting modes that you can use aperture priority shutter priority and it does what i just talked about when you change it to aperture priority you change the aperture the camera does everything else shutter priority you change the shutter the camera yep. does everything else and okay. you use that like for examples how you'd use that shutter priority you would use because you're at a sporting event and you want you know your son's playing football and you want to make sure that it's not a blur running across the screen yep. so you'd set your shutter speed to like one two thousandth of a second so you know it's going to stop motion when it happens and right then and then the other two would get adjusted automatically and you don't have to worry about it and everything else just kind of works off of right. that and then there's some other modes but we won't get into all that but basically there's a lot of big brands out there so it's a it's always a choice right you know which like everything brand, else you know do i want to go with windows do i want to go with apple do i, wanna, I was know? just gonna say i'm a mac i'm a pc like exactly oh, technology. i'm a canon i'm a nikon you yeah. know it's tech, it's tech culture and I, I go back to this point i insist at this point the more i've learned from you of thinking about camera tech as very much a tent pole even of tech culture and yeah the, the one of the inarguable facts about tech culture especially is that it is all a form everything is a choice war it mm -hmm. is you know vhs and betamax it's blu-ray and hd dvd it's max and pcs yep. android and ios so this just the more i've learned from you about it and her and listened to you talk about it i've realized this might isn't this isn't just one of those examples it might be one of the earliest examples yep. that still is in full force today and in fact Absolutely. may even uh, be getting more entrenched as the technology yeah. progresses. Absolutely. And, and that was the point that you know eventually get to make is sadly, you're gonna you're gonna choose a brand. 
And if you're going to get into photography, you're going to probably want to choose a brand that you want to stick with. So right. my suggestion is, even if you don't buy from them, go to a local camera shop and, you know, and buy from them, please, because we need I was to just going to say, business. by the way, actually but, buy, yeah, the, buy from buy them. the stuff there, from but, places but, like that too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can rent. And, and that's the thing that you need to do. There, there's a, and, and again, not a sponsor. There's a place that I've used in the past called it's camera lens rentals.com. They just, they rent cameras and lenses and you can go on there. And if you're thinking about getting into this, you can rent a camera and a lens and try it out for a week and then send it back to them and, and you're done. And it's a great thing to do. And also just go into a store, pick up the camera and handle it, mm -hmm. you know, put it up to your eye, snap a couple of photos on it. Like just checking it, check it out in the store because what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up choosing a brand. You like the way it fits your hand. You like the way the viewfinder looks. You like the way the menus are set up or the dials are set up. When you're just getting into photography, you're going to look for those kind of things, things that make sense to the way it feels in your hand. And it's important because once you choose that brand and you invest in the camera and you invest in the lenses, the lens, and, and this is, and I'm going to put another one of those statements out there that I've told John before. And this is a, this is a rule of photography. It is date your camera body, but marry your lenses. Yep. So you want to take care of those lenses. You want to take care of your lenses. You, you want your lenses forward. to be around forever. So you want to spend good money on your lenses. You want to spend yep. the most money you can afford on your lenses and buy the best glass you can. Nikon has L series lenses, right? Uh, you know, Fujifilm has specific lenses. Yeah, everybody has specific lenses that are larger glass, heavier, bigger lenses that are higher quality, sharper across the board, all of that kind of stuff. You want to spend your money. Be prepared to spend as much or more on a single lens than you spent on the body of your camera. That's, yep. that's just something you have to prepare for. Once you're ready to really get into photography, you can buy the kit lenses when you're just getting started and they'll work fine. But once you really want to get into it, you're going to invest in that glass. And once you've invested in that glass, you're tied to that company because you've just spent $2,000 on a, on a lens. Yeah. You don't want to go another out another Canon body and attach it to that. So right. Exactly. They, they bodies, stay yeah. the yeah. Canon. They're all compatible. So, well, cause I was just going to say, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it for myself and the folks listening. Sure. There's no mix and matching here. Like these are true format lock-ins. Yes. Sure. Yes. Ish. So there's always <laughs> a way, there's always a way around it. So there are, you can get adapters for right. cameras where you can mount different camera lenses on different bodies. You always suffer quality loss. You always right. suffer sometimes light loss. Like you won't, like if you get an F 2.8 lens it's adding through the whole thing, level. it might okay. be an F 3.5 or an F 4 when you put it on that thing, because, just done. because of the, just because of the physics involved. Um, and, and they don't always translate the electrical signals exactly the same either. No, so you may, I'm going to make a, values. I'm going to make a very solid state example out of this. It's like running windows in parallels. Yes. Are yep. you running windows on your MacBook? Yes. Is it the same experience as running windows on a purpose built PC? absolutely not right. exactly. they keep iterating they keep trying to get as close as they can it has never and likely will never be the same as running it on the thing it was made to be run on right and then i guess the next thing to get into to talk about because we're talking about like going out there and choosing your camera is yep most camera manufacturers are in the middle of a massive change up right now they are changing from dslr cameras which right. is you know 
the old school has a prism in there. It has a mirror that flips up when you take the picture and then yep. the light goes through the lens and hits the sensor. Then the mirror flips back down to show you the image again through the viewfinder that you're looking at. It's very old school, 35 I was going to say, this, so this is more classic, even the text oh, yeah. context of a digital camera. This is a digital technology that's got analog technology grafted to it for exactly. lack of a better way to put it. Yep, exactly. So they most camera manufacturers are shifting away from that to what they call mirrorless which no mirror that flips up. It's just mm -hmm. a shutter and a sensor and the lens projects the image directly onto the shutter and sensor. No mirror involved, no flipping of that up, none of that stuff. So I mean, in a literal sense, fewer moving parts. Like we say Correct. that all the time, oh, yep. it's got less moving parts, but in this sense, yep. like literally fewer moving yep. parts. It, it, allows okay. them to, it allows them to have lighter, smaller, lighter camera bodies yep. and smaller, lighter lenses that still deliver the high quality. So like... Canon has their L series of lenses. They're now putting out their RF series, their R mm -hmm. series of cameras that have that have moved away from the EF mount that they had a long time ago for for since the 80s. They've been using the EF right. mount to oh, today. Wow. Now they've changed to the RF mount because it's a mirrorless mount. It has a different distance between the sensor and the back of the lens. But right. that being said, Canon is Canon. They want to make sure that you're married to their stuff. So they have a $99 adapter that you can get that goes on the R series cameras that lets you use every EF lens all the way back to the 1980s on those. Now, because those that's still, now that is a standard change, but it's still Canon to Canon. Yep. Do you see that light loss you were talking about with those adapters or is it more or less in line? I believe it's more or less in line from what I, from what I've heard from several people and, and seen reviews online, there's people who who spent those that two thousand dollars on L series glass in EF yep. and they and they put it on the R series cameras and they say it they can't tell the difference between what right. it looked like on their okay. old DSLR and their new camera. So it's kind of like the benchmarking so, conversation we have. If you ran a scientific test, you could probably detect a difference, yeah, but probably. there may or may not be a real world manifestation of that. Right, difference. exactly. You're not going to notice it in you know. In, in real world context. So, so a lot of them are moving towards that. So I guess that's what I'm saying is when you're going out there to purchase a new camera, you're probably, if it's your first camera, if you're not already married to a system, yep. you're, you're going to want to choose a mirrorless camera because that's what everyone's moving towards. Um, Nikon has, has kind of announced that they're there. They haven't, they kind of came back and retracted. So they originally came out and said like, we're done with DSLR cameras and then everyone went what and you know they came out and went well maybe not you know maybe so, they jumped a little too and, far too fast exactly yeah. so and you know Canon hasn't made a new one in several years they have they, they're still available new on their website you can get the 5D Mark IV you can get the 1DX Mark III those are like big top DSLR of top of the line yeah. DSLR cameras you can still buy new from Canon but they're three or four years old at this point you know, yeah. they're not, you know, they they'll happily charge you today prices for yeah. four year old tech. Exactly. So, course, but they've yeah. also got their, they've got their new R series of cameras that, you know, the R3, R5, R6, R7, R10. Now they've got five and, cameras. And out. that's, that's the dividing line. I'm going to pause this on real sure. quick before we dive into that. Yeah. There's two things I wanted to cover. Cause this is, I know this is the jumping off point. This is where we're getting ready to go deep. Um, <laughs> two things. First off, if you could do as a favor of, because I've, again, learned so much just in the last few weeks. The, the little bit of backstory on this is I came to Eric and said, I think I want to buy a good camera. I'm and not I went, talking professional. Yeah. And Eric, <laughs> I, and I, oops, from a thousand miles away, literally, I saw his ears perk up. Um, yep. 
as a, you know, it's, it's, I'm not talking professional grade, but I'm also not talking about something I can just walk into my local mm-hmm. electronic store and probably buy. Like I want to do the research. I want to John the crap out of it. I want <laughs> to, cause I, that's a lot of my enjoyment from the shopping experience is doing the research piece. And yep. especially when I have access to someone who is so knowledgeable. So we've spent a lot of time talking about this in recent weeks. I want to make sure we covered was not all the way down in the weeds, but what I alluded to earlier, most people, when you ask them, what kind of camera do you have? If they know one of the first things they're going to to say is I have a blank megapixel, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think we all, most of us, even though we may think we do, most of us probably don't have a full understanding of what the heck that megapixel even means, but we all <laughs> sure. have a working understanding of bigger is most of the time better. And by both, I mean, maybe 51% of the time. Right. But if you could run down some of the other terms, because for example, there are other terms that I, for a full week, misunderstood what Eric was saying, because it was a number that was more important, the smaller it got. It golfed me a little bit. So oh, if sure. You could run, yep. If you could run down some, because they're knowing some of those in a cursory way is going to be important for the yeah. rundown we're going to do here in a second. Yeah. So basically the, the terms you always, you know, look at with a digital camera, you've got your megapixels, you know, that's one thing. They also have ISO ranges on there. And ISO is again, another leftover from analog days. ISO is, and, and it's, you know, international standards, what, you know, something like that. It stands for something not really relevant, but ultimately what it was, was back in the day when you went out and bought your Kodak film, you would buy um, ISO 100 film if you were planning on shooting outdoors in sunlight. If you knew it was going to be kind of a darker, like dusk or whatever, you'd get like ISO 200 or 400. If you were going to be shooting inside, you got ISO 800. And it's all just the sensitivity of the film. It's how long that light needs to touch the film to create an exposure. And it's just one of the numbers of the the all-important triangle for taking a picture. That sensitivity, film sensitivity is one of them, and that's the ISO rating. So cameras, digital cameras today, they'll have a range that they'll show you, and then they'll have an extended range because they're very special now. They'll usually start at 100 and go up to, like, the Nikons and Canons and Fujis. They all go up to about, like, 64,000. It's it's insane. It's huge. And then they'll have an extended that you can go in and turn on ISO extended and it'll go from 50 to like 128,000, which is crazy. And the, basically the thing to know is, and this is true in analog film days, as much as it is in digital, the higher that number, the noisier your picture is going gonna to be. be. You're yep. going to see grain. On I was going to say, when we film, say noisy, we're talking about yeah. that, that grainy yeah. look. We've all done it with our smartphone. We've taken a picture yep. that we thought was going to look great. You go to look at it later, and it looks like you're taking it through a screen door. Yep, exactly. That so that, And back in the day, that still happened on old school ISO 1600 film way back yep. in the day. You'd develop that, and you would see more grain in the picture. You would, Literal look, you film would grain. see the film grain in there because it had to be bigger grain to be more sensitive to the light. It's just the way it was. So they've built their sensors around the same kind of functionality. All those little pixels in there are sensitive to light and you get to turn up the sensitivity or turn it down to light. And the higher you crank that up, the noisier your image is going to be. As time has gone on in the last 20 years, that noisiness has slowly moved up the ladder. Like you can, you can go on and shoot like ISO 6,400 on one of these new mirrorless cameras and not notice a whole lot of grain, which is insane. Because if you go back to like the old school first digital cameras that came out, you went up to ISO 800 or 1600. It it looked like a mess. It was unusable. Eight pixels. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, it was, it's 
it's very, it's, it's come a long way. So that, that's one thing. And then the other big thing that you look at is aperture. And that is, that's actually related to your lens. And this is the number John was talking about. The smaller the number, the larger the opening in your camera's lens. So you'll go out there and you'll look at a lens, like a kit lens will be, you know, an 18 to 50 millimeter. That's your zoom range. And it'll say F 3.5 to 5.6, which means at 18 millimeters, your F stop will, the largest F stop you can get will be 3.5. And as you zoom in your F stop, the largest F stop you can have is 5.6 as you get out to that 50 millimeter range. And that comes into play when you're trying to take pictures in low light. Um, you can't open it up wide enough to get, so that means you have to crank up your ISO and get a noisier yep. picture, or you'll have to crank up your shutter speed. So you're, um, which is also down in the opposite direction. Right. Um, which I'll get to in a second. So, you know, your shutter would stay open longer, which means if you're taking pictures of anything that's moving, you just made a blur yep. um, by having to do that, which means you want to keep that one high, which means you have to crank up the ISO. That's the whole triangle. They all the trickle down effect. Yeah. So, so when you're going out, when I'm talking about marrying your lenses, you want to get lenses that, that let in a lot of light. And that usually means getting, if it's a zoom lens, an F 2.8 zoom lens, they're going to be big, they're going to be heavy, but they're going to let in a lot of light and they're going to let you take pictures in dimmer situations. Um, and then they have ones that you can get that are called prime lenses, which is just a single, there's no zoom. They're just a single focal length. And those will have much bigger f-stops on them. You can get like a 50 millimeter f 1.2, which is like, you know, that lets in so much light. You can get really good pictures of that. And it also does things with background blur, um, which they call bokeh and all that kind of stuff, which make it look really, really nice. And people really go nuts over you know, beautiful blurry backgrounds and all yeah. that kind of stuff when you're into photography and having that, that F-stop number, I'll say a large F-stop number, even though it's a smaller number, smaller it means number. The larger opening. So you having that helps there. And then the other big thing is shutter speed. So, um, in the, in that triangle. So your shutter speed is again, one of those golf numbers where the lower the number, the longer the opening, um, the longer the shutter stays open because what it's measuring in that instance is a fraction of a second. Yep. So, you know, one, 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 it's open for a whole second, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And, and on and on and one, one thousandth, it's open for one, one thousandth of a second, one, two thousandth of a second. So when you set your shutter speed to 2000, it's much faster than, you know, a half a second or whatever, you know, when you do it in the other direction. And those, those are basically the terms that you use that gives you the baseline triangle, your exposure triangle, that's your F-stop, your, um, your film sensitivity or, you know, sensor sensitivity and your, your shutter speed. Those, those three things is what allows you to make a good exposure on your camera. So nice. Yeah. And, you know, so, and then the megapixels is how, you know, and that's an MP megapixel is literally what it sounds like. It's, it's a million pixels. Yeah. So 24 megapixels is 24 million pixels that are sensitive to light on that sensor. And as and then deep I'll, as we'll go with that is that is yeah. truly a term though that came from the digital age. Cause I mean, a yes. pixel sense. So that is a holy, you know, your, your first consumer buy it at Walmart digital camera yep. was probably a 0 0.8 megapixel camera yep. if I had to guess. And, yes. uh, yeah. Yep. And now, and now I'm going to start diving in. So <laughs> megapixels are, it's a mind game. People yep. are going to tell you when you look at it and you look at the shelf at a camera and you see 20 megapixels or 50 megapixels and you're going, which one do I buy? Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately the, both of them are going to take fantastic pictures. It's mm -hmm. what you need to use them for higher megapixel cameras. I would say over like 
30, 40 megapixels. Like you get into the 45 megapixel, 50 megapixel. Those are really yep. expensive digital cameras that they have out there now that are that, are that high. Um, what those are really used for is so that you can take an image and then crop that image afterwards and zoom way in on it and cut out all of the excess that you don't detail. want in the picture and yeah. not lose detail. You'll still, you can take a 45 megapixel picture, cut half of that picture out and still have a usable 20 megapixel picture. Right. That's what it's used for. And, you know, if you're going in and you're framing your shot the way you want and you're taking a picture of a person with a 45 megapixel camera and you're getting just a headshot and then you take a picture of them with a 20 megapixel camera, they're both going to look amazing. Because you you're going to use you, the end you result nail, the same way. If you nail yep. your focus, if you nail your exposure, they're gonna you're going to be able to print both of those pictures on a yep. piece of paper or upload both of those pictures to Facebook and they're going to look fantastic to anybody who wants to look at them. So don't let the megapixels fool you into thinking you have to have that. My recent example is researching Canon cameras for myself yep. and for John. I've been looking at RF cameras. <laughs> yeah, you know, looking at these RF cameras, the they have the some of the flagship ones they have out now. The R3 is like a $6,000 camera body. It's insanely expensive. And then they have an R5. Before the first piece of glass. Like just to clarify, yes, when you say 6000 that's yep. a the box arrives, the camera is in there, you take it out, you're not yet taking your first picture after $6,000. Yeah, $6, because you don't have a lens. Yeah. Right. So then they've got, they've got the R5, which is about $3,500, which is... I, that one's, that one's 45 megapixels. I don't know how many megapixels the R3 has offhand, but I know it's a lot, but the R, um, the R3, the R5 is 45 megapixels. And then the R6 is a 20 megapixel camera. And the thing that I always have to keep going back and thinking about is I look at that and I go, Oh, I want the R5. You know, even though it's $1,500 more, I want the R5 because it's more megapixels. Mm -hmm. And then, then I you started get to ask the age old question. Why? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and I start looking into it and then I realize the, the sensor that's in that R6, the 20 megapixel sensor is the same exact sensor that is in the one DX Mark three, which is the newest DSLR flagship that Canon sells. It's their highest end. That's their $6,000 DSLR body. The same sensor is in that other camera. If you go and search the camera, the pictures that people take with that 20 megapixel sensor, it'll blow you away. This is right. stuff used in fashion magazines and advertisements mm -hmm. and the highest quality of the highest quality photos taken on a 20 megapixel sensor. So you really have to kind of get that the number game out of your head when you're looking at that. It's not, it's, it, it helps especially if you want to crop a lot, but it's not the end game. It's well, more I think th this could sum it up the best, actually, ironically enough, because I, ha I had to look it up because I'm me. And this, I think, actually Eric, beautifully demonstrates exactly what you're saying. The R3 is inarguably the superior camera. I yes. Mean, in every measurable way, it's a 24.1 megapixel sensor. Yep. There you go. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, it, in that, and so you can, you know, what you say, you know, immeasurably better camera, that camera just got an update after the fact that enabled 195 frame per second shooting. Oh, wow. not video. I'm not talking video. That's 195 still frame photographs in a single second on a photograph. Yeah. Yeah. So like so if for you're for action if you're, photography, yeah, you're, if you're a sports shooting photographer, sports, that's it. You know, car yep. races, those kind of things. Like you can, you can snap 195 pictures as that car wheels around the corner at you and, and then, then go, go back and, and pick the one and that flip works. through and pick the one that's got the perfect, you know, the perfect setup for you and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So amazing stuff. So anyway, that was where I got lost in the megapixel thing too. I got all in my head about it and which one do I want? And I'm weighing pros and cons. Well, it's a big and all this investment. Kind of I mean, it is, it's a day, huge cause investment. It, Cause I'll also set the stage. 
because people might not know this, it's not our jobs. You know what I mean? Like right. a, there's a, yep. our, our jobs involve a lot of weird tech. This isn't one of them. Right. Like this is wholly that thing where it's like, we're doing it because we love the stuff and we want to. Right. We're not getting paid for nope. any of this part. No, nope. exactly. So. No, yeah, what, so. what you mentioned about the cropping, like that, it yeah. makes sense that megapixels kind of got that word because of all the cell phones, right? So that's yep. pretty much the main yep. number. And what it's do you do with pictures on your cell phone? You crop them and you send them to somebody, right? So that yep. I can. Do you feel like with all the phones having cameras now, it kind of makes it more like simple click and shoot? More people are less yeah. interested in taking actual like buying a very expensive lens and a body versus just like oh my iphone has a 15 megapixel yep. camera and yeah, it that's, does, oh, I, the the yeah. smartphone has changed consumer photography forever i think going back Absolutely. to inarguable things that is something that people are admittedly taking more photos than ever obviously because yep. you know the, the us's of the world are trying to figure out where to store them all but um, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but, but yeah i i totally agree cody that it's changed the normal person's perception, the Joe public, as we say all the times, perception of what is a camera, what is a picture. Um, but I also think it's more polarized this conversation more than ever as well. Cause the people who do care, it's kind of like how we feel about our laptops. Mm -hmm. We spend more time thinking about the megahertz of the memory in our laptops than most people will think about their entire computer purchase. Sure. So equating it back to me. And when I hear Eric talk about like these cameras, whatnot, that's what I think about when he, when he's helping me navigate like how much I think I want to spend versus what I know I can spend, but what I want to use this thing for, you can get to that level the same way we feel about when we're like, well, I could go this route, but if I go up to this one, then that gets me DDR5. And that means that, you know, that's mm -hmm. what this is to yep. me versus the person who walks into Best Buy and just says, I need a computer because I have to do QuickBooks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, ultimately what it comes down to is what are you going to use the camera for? If you're going to be snapping quick photos of your kids and the intent of snapping those quick photos is to upload them to your Facebook page. So your family out of state yep. can see them. There's no reason to purchase a digital camera, right? Use your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's plenty of things. I'm, I'm in the weeds on that too. I love, I love iPhone photography. I do iPhone photography all the time. Yeah. I own, you buy lenses for your iPhone. I do. I, I own awesome. several lenses from a company called moment again, oh, not nice. a sponsor. And I put them, I have a moment case on my, on my phone phone that lets me that connect these extra that. lenses and it gives me extra telephoto reach or extra wide angle or i even have an anamorphic one for video that gives me the like the cinematic bars on the top and the bottom a really super wide screen oh yeah right from my phone I, and i can shoot in 4k video on my phone all that kind of stuff you can do all that and it's great it's fantastic but there's something to me again sense memory the, the tactile yeah. you know the the shooting manually shooting or even having stuff on automatic but getting yeah. out there and zooming and getting getting my focus right. And in that, that act of photography, I, yep. I fell in love with as a, as a teenager and have continued to love my whole life. And that's why I, I like to do that. But yeah, for, for most people, for Joe public, you really have to think about what you want to do. If you want the highest quality photos, you're planning on doing, printing some stuff out or really getting in there and editing and, and getting into the nitty gritty of those photos and really wanting to get everything you can out of it you need a you need a digital camera to do that you and you want to get a nice one if you're wanting to create memories if you're wanting to create art with your camera it's easier to do that with a separate camera than it is on yeah. your iphone can you do it with your iphone 100 yeah. i've seen some amazing art created with nothing but an iphone camera 
Absolutely. And that's not to say, you know, the other cameras and the other phones, there's plenty of Samsung, all those people, they have amazing oh, right. cameras yeah. in all their phones. I'm just going by personal example, but there's so much that you can do with those phones. But it's again, if you have the interest, if you have the passion to want to do that physical picture taking, uh, the, you, you have to have a, yeah. a, a digital camera like that, a separate digital camera. And there's again, a whole wide range of options to choose from, from going on, you know, used websites and buying a DSLR. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if you're, if you like Canon, you can go on and I did this for my son. I purchased a, I purchased a 20 year old digital camera for my son because he wanted to learn how to take photographs. So I got a, a Canon 10 D it's, it's a six megapixel digital camera. And I got him a little 50 millimeter lens to put on there, just like my dad got for me on my old Pentax. And he's out there shooting pictures with that camera. And the pictures are great. It's a six megapixel camera and the pictures mm. look great. They're good enough. I want to put point, it all in perspective, you know? Eric, because I think, I think this is a valuable piece of this conversation. If you don't mind my asking, I, I don't, and I know you told me, I don't remember. Cause we're sitting here talking about three, four, $6,000 camera sure. bodies. Yeah. If someone was actually interested in like, you know, right now I take pictures and it's on my Samsung Galaxy phone. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to go the route as a hobby of, you know, picking up a purpose-built device. What about, I know it was all used from, and feel free to plug the website again, not a sponsor, but like it was not a large investment to get, no, to get him into that. So yeah, I use a, a company called KEH. They have a website That's that it. sells um, used used photography equipment and they have it from every every price range. So this Canon... 10D that I got again a 20 year old camera six megapixels I think I paid thirty five dollars for it oh wow um, and then I bought a 50 millimeter lens the lens ended up costing more than the camera did because <laughs> I bought I bought I bought a new Canon EF 50 millimeter right. 1.8 lens it's kind of their they call it the nifty 50 50 millimeter is kind of like your go to with with photography it's like where everybody starts because it kind of gives you you know, a little bit of a zoomed in view, like a 35 millimeter view is, is what you see when you look out of your eyes. That's like mm -hmm. about a 35 millimeter view, 50 millimeters, a little bit cropped in, but you know, you still, it's a good place to start to get, you know, and I tell them, you know, there's no zoom on here. You zoom with your feet. That's how you learn. You zoom with your feet. <laughs> um, so he, so and he's learning that. So, so I ended up paying, I think it was like, I got it on sale. I think it was like 80 bucks for the lens. Right. And, and yeah. 40, essentially $40 for the camera. So for $120, you know, thereabouts, I, you know, with tax and shipping and whatever, I had a full camera system for him that he could shoot photographs on. He shot probably three or 400 photographs. He's uploading them to a, a photography website and people are commenting on his photos. He's loving it. I mean, he's totally into it and he's learning more about photography. We're reading photography books together and all in for 120 bucks. And he's and, not doing what's amazing to me is he's not, it's not like he's doing that in a, this is not a duct tape solution. It's not a compromised right. state. He right. has a fully functional piece of technology mm -hmm. that is doing the thing. It was, what was it? 20 years ago yep. built to do yeah. in a completely serviceable way. And I just think that's really, really meaningful because yeah, you can go, you can go all in deep with just about anything, but this is one of those few examples where I'm sorry, I couldn't go buy someone a $120 laptop. And no, expect it to be a serviceable solution. I was just going to yeah. say, this seems like one of those hobbies that you don't have to have the newest tech. You know, you can no, absolutely get not. older tech and still yeah. take good photos. I mean, end all be all is there's plenty of people out there that have created meaningful art on, yep. on cameras with less specs than that $120 system that I mm -hmm. bought my son. I mean, he's, he's, 
he can go out and create meaningful art with a $120 system. And, and that's the thing. And now he's got a Canon lens. So if he really gets into this, I can go right back on KEH and I can buy a, for a couple hundred dollars, I can buy a Canon 5D Mark II, which is still probably a 10 or 15 year old camera. It's got a, I think a either 16 or 20 megapixel full frame sensor. So that's one thing we didn't get into. There's right. full frame size sensors, which are the size of a 35 millimeter piece of film. And then there are APC size sensors, which are a little smaller than that. And then they have four thirds sensors that are a different size. They're all different size sensors. And they, you can have a APC size sensor that's 30 megapixels and you can have a full frame sensor that's also 30 megapixels. The full frame sensor will always look better because the pixels are bigger. They take in more light. They take, right. they, it, you, you get more depth of field, that creamy blurry background we talked about. You get a better blur on a full frame sensor because it's, you know, it can capture that light better. Not to say APC sensors can't capture really good quality, but you know, there's things to work into it. So like the one that I got him, the 10 D is a crop sensor. It's an APC size sensor and it is a 1.6 times crop, which means you put a 50 millimeter lens on there. It's actually acting more like a 70 ish millimeter lens. Because oh, wow. okay. it, it, the, the light that projects out of the back of it is tuned for a 35 millimeter piece of film, but you only have, uh, you know, two thirds of that, that you're projecting it onto. So you, you, it increases the zoom a little bit more on that. And, and you, know, you just take that into equation, like the cannons we were talking about, it feels like very Canon centric episode, but I did research them a lot. So Nikon, Olympus, Fuji, they all have answers to this as well, but the, the Canon ones, like they just released their R series. They just finally released crop censored R series cameras, all the R series that came out before the R, the RP, the R three, five, and six have all been full frame sensors. They just mm -hmm. released the R seven and the R 10, and those are crop sensors, but use the RF lenses. So same deal. You get those RF lenses that you were using on a full frame one. You put it on that one. The lens works perfectly, but it's just zoomed in by 0.5 or 0.6 more than, than yeah. you would be accustomed to. So, but yeah, you can get in, you, you can go to KEH or any other used photography website and you, you can drop a couple hundred bucks two $300 on an older DSLR and lens for a system that, you know, you're going to want to stick with maybe down the road, you get those EF lenses from Canon. Those lenses fit right on that adapter that goes on the R series. If you decide to go with the latest mirrorless thing and you can get in and start shooting photography on a Canon 5D Mark II, which is what they use for fashion magazines, billboards, right. professional quality photography was done on a 5D Mark II. And Canon EFL lenses 15 years ago, those pictures are still printed today and still look fantastic today. There's no reason you can't get out there and use that. It's just, you know, geeks like us love the newest of the new tech and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. You know, you just, you just have to decide call, what you want I'm, to I'm our call culture it at this point, you know? Right. Well, I'm going to call it what it is. You can buy an, what's great is excellent condition, which we won't get in the weeds of what that means, but a, a, out of the box, this is guaranteed to be a usable, more than usable camera in yep. excellent condition. One of those 5D Mark IIs, $445. Yeah, $445 for one of those. And then you With can stick that, that's, that same 50 millimeter lens that I got my son will fit on that camera. And it is a fantastic lens. You can throw that on there and zoom with your feet and take pictures that will blow everybody out of the water. And you're looking yep. at a $500 investment for something that is essentially a brand new camera that can take... 20 megapixel pictures that will rival anything you've seen in magazines if you get your focus right and your exposure right. So, 
I love the uh, yeah zoom with your feet. I haven't heard that before. That's yep. that's yeah. that that, that one's got pun very much intended. That one's got legs. Yep, and uh, uh, <laughs> I, I intend to use that one. That's awesome. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I think you know to wrap this all up and put a bow on it. You know, don't let the numbers, the megapixel numbers, fool you. Go out, pick up some cameras, hold them in your hand, snap a couple pictures with them if you can, um, and then invest in a system that feels comfortable to you. And then invest doubly so in the glass, because yep. if you want pictures that look good, you're, you know, if you're okay with pictures that are, that are fine, you know, that are good, you can yep. use your kit lenses. If you want to be able to take images that are fantastic, that, that are truly art, you're going to want to spend money on your lenses. And then that's the thing. Once you spend those monies on your lenses, you look at it as an investment. Those go with you. My body's the body of my camera body's getting old. It's it's only 20 megapixels. The newest of the new came out and it's 50 megapixels and it's got all these features that I really want. You can go buy that and then you sell your old camera to offset some of the cost. You buy that new body and all your lenses come along for the ride and they just clip onto your new camera and you go. And and you know, and you don't have to reinvest in all that glass and I'll spend all that money again on that. They they come along with you and you can still continue to take fantastic Carry images that way. Yeah, yep. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So there you go. You want to say it, John, or should I? I think you earned this one. I earned this one on that actual bombshell. Let's wrap this up. I think we will. Uh, Cody, do you have anything to bookend this one with? No, I Other don't than think the so. sound of you shopping on KEH because I can hear the. I literally the am looking so, at. Uh, I heard him say the words, "Yeah, with battery and charger." I'm like, I'm reading the same yep. page you <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you, Eric, especially. I know it's been a lot of fun for myself diving into this because it's an area of tech culture that's, you know, been around me for a long time, but I've never been in in this way before. So I'm I'm really excited about what's ahead for it, both as a hobby and maybe one day as an art form. So uh, with that, with that, we will wrap it up for this week and catch you next time. Later. Later.